Hallelujah. Greetings in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and greetings from the church in Brunei too. And it's indeed a happy occasion and a joyful occasion for me to stand in the presence of the Lord to share God's word with God's children. And uh, as we're going to meditate on God's word, shall we seek the uh, Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us and speak to us in a personal way. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you, Lord, for this wonderful morning. Father, we thank you for your presence and thank you for the move of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Father, we thank you for the privilege to come before your presence and to be called your children, children of the Most High God. Even now, Lord, we kindly look unto you that you will open our hearts and mind for the word that you have prepared and the word you have for us this morning. Help us to listen to your word keenly and with faith to receive the word and to get the blessings from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Quickly we are going to meditate on some basic things as well as for the word which we have this morning. As we know the Bible, the Bible has got Old Testament and the New Testament. In other words, we can also call it a Old Covenant and a New Covenant. And in the New Covenant, we have four Gospels. And the reason why we have four Gospels is because it's not out of chance, but God has a plan to have the four Gospels recorded in the New Testament. Um, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each author, the each person who wrote the gospel, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they had something, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to focus on certain group of people. It is not that just they were uh, written just by inspired by the Holy Spirit without purpose, but Matthew, his focus is only on the Jews. So when he writes the Matthew, gospel, according to St. Matthew, he, when he writes the gospel, his mind is filled with Jews, how to present Jesus as the Messiah, as the king to the Jews. And um, that's why when he, in his uh, uh, gospel, he records the genealogy. And writing the genealogy, he starts with Abraham. He says, Abraham, then the son of uh, David. So we find for the Jews, Abraham and King David are most important persons. So the moment you say Abraham, they say, oh, Abraham is our father. The moment you say David, oh, they say, oh, David, he is our, the king. We have the star of David. That is maybe the present Jew, but that time they did not have the star of David. Okay. So they, they know that David and Abraham, they are very right in the, is among the Jews. So Matthew gospel is mainly focusing on the Jews. And when we come to Mark, Mark actually got his gospel from, learned from Peter, that's what they say. And his focus is for the Romans. And he, his focus is somehow to present to the Romans that Jesus came as a servant. Jesus is a servant who lived among us and who served the people and as a servant of God. And when it comes to uh, Luke, Luke audience, we can say uh, the Greek. 
So he wants to focus on the Greek because Greek are their philosophers at the time and, and quite often looking for somebody who's a perfect man. And Luke is focusing on the Greek and he portrays or he presents Jesus as the perfect son of man. And that's why when he starts his genealogy about Jesus, he starts with Adam, the first man and to the Jesus. And um, when it comes to John, they say the first three gospels or synoptic gospel, that is more or less, you know, quite very similar. But John's gospel is something different, entirely different. He has no genealogy about Jesus, but he portrays Jesus to the whole world as the son of God who came down to save the mankind, the Lamb of God which has come to save the mankind. Now, when we turn to Jeremiah chapter, you may have a lot of verses quickly, you have to turn. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 and 6. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 and 6. So here God says, probably right many hundred years ago, that I shall rise up for David a righteous branch. That is what Matthew had got in his mind. And he portrays him as the king of, and, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice. So we find this verse is actually fulfilled in Matthew presenting Jesus as the son of David. And if you turn to Zechariah chapter 3 verse 8, Zechariah chapter 3 verse 8. It says, Now listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your uh, friends who are sitting in front of you. Indeed, they are men who are a symbol for behold, symbol for behold, I am going to bring in my servant, the branch. Mark literally fulfilled this word. Mark is portraying Jesus as a servant. The, the branch is actually written in the capital B. It's the servant, the branch. Uh, and then when you come to Luke, if we find in the uh, same Zechariah, chapter 6, verse 12. Zechariah 6, verse 12, it says, Then... Here we find it's speaking about uh, Luke, that is, uh, that, that is as, the, uh, as the man, uh, behold a man whose name is Branch. You can connect these words together and find in uh, Zechariah 3 it was a servant for Branch and here it's a man from the Branch. And that is what Luke is portraying as a son of man. And finally we can turn to Isaiah chapter 4 verse 2. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 2. Yeah, in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful. Here we find the branch of the Lord is the Son of God. So we find what has been written in the Old Testament literally becomes a fulfillment in the New Testament. 
Literally, we can say old, New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and uh, Old Testament is the shadow of the uh, Old Testament, the shadow of the New Testament. So we find the reason why we have four gospel is not by chance, but God has a specific purpose of keeping the four the gospel here through the servants of God, saints of God, and each one has a different uh, in audience in their mind and focus and portray Jesus from different angle or different uh, uh, aspect. So we find Matthew, he's being portrayed as the king. And in Mark, he is portrayed as a servant. And then in Luke, he's portrayed as the man. And in uh, John, he's portrayed as a God, the uh, son of God and the son of man. Now, now we let us keep that aside. Now we are going to uh, turn to something, may sound something very, uh, something strange. But here, we, what we are going to meditate is on the purpose of God's salvation. The purpose of God's salvation. Why did God save me? The purpose of God's salvation. If you can turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 30. Romans chapter 8, starting from 28 to 30. Okay, thank you, sister. Here we find the purpose for God choosing his people, for choosing us, is that to become conformed to the image of his son. That is the vital and the most important thing we have to understand. To be conformed to the image of his son. Many a times we stop, we just take the verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and say, oh, God said everything will work out together for my good. Now, what is that good? It is that you and I may become confirmed more and more in the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is everything will work out for the good for the purpose of changing us into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not for the blessing. If I am just a believer, I can enjoy all the blessings of God that he has got for me on the cross. But if I want to be a disciple, and if I want to be confirmed more and more in the image of God, that I need to take up the cross and follow him. The blessings of God we can receive by having faith on the atonement work done on the cross. But if I want to be confirmed more and more to the image of God, which is the ultimate, which is the aim of God towards you and I, if I have to be confirmed more to the image of God, then I need not to have faith on the cross alone, but to carry the cross. So that is what we are going to see this morning. And also we turn to Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. Matthew, Therefore, yeah. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Therefore you shall be perfect as your father who is in heaven is perfect. Now this may sound a bit strange because... Jesus says, you have to be perfect as your father who is imperfect. But then somewhere, uh, Thomas, I think it's Thomas, he asked him, Lord, show us the father. Isn't it? Thomas, I think it's uh, the disciple Thomas who asked Jesus, show us the father. Then Jesus said, uh, he who has seen me has seen the father. In other words, God has sent Jesus on the earth so that when we look at Jesus, 
he reflects the very glory and the image of God himself. And that Jesus, he says, you have to be perfect as the Father who is in heaven. Otherwise, we can say, I have not seen the Father at all. Bible says, no man has ever seen God. I have not seen the Father at all, but I see Jesus. And by looking at Jesus, I can see how perfect my Father is. So for me, Jesus become an example. And Jesus is the one on whom I have to focus and to look on so that I can be confirmed more and more into his likeness. And that is what actually Peter says. Peter says in his second chapters, second epistle, uh, chapter 1 and verse 4, second epistle of Peter, chapter 1, verse 4, he says, uh, no, sorry, it's in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 21. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21, he says, Jesus is our example. He has set an example for us to follow. Uh, that's what he says, right? First Peter 2.21. But to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Yeah. He, he has set an example. Jesus is our example whom we need to follow. Now, if we turn to John chapter 8, verse 12, John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Jesus said, I am the light of this world. And at the same time, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he, uh, he says, you are the light of this world. Now, Jesus said, I am the light of this world. But then in another place, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. In other words, what we can understand is, when people look at us, they have to see the glory of God in us. They have Literally, we can say, we are called to reflect the glory of God. People have not seen God. People think God is in the stone or in the tree. Or there's a Tamil verse saying God is in every straw and uh, every pillar. You know. But when uh, I understand, I remember one uh, incident where a man of God he was preaching the gospel in a village, and uh, and a, and a man asked him, uh, "You speak so much about uh, Jesus and others, but where can I see Jesus? Where can I see him?" And this man didn't have, my, at that time, he didn't have, know what to answer. So he came back home. He, he prayed and cried before the Lord. Lord, this is the question. He's asking, where can I see Jesus? Now, how can I make him understand and uh, all this? Then um, he started praying, and the Holy Spirit told him, inspired him to say, give him your address. It may sound very strange. And, sound very strange and it's something that uh, you know but the if you i think you got the idea behind it the thought behind it he must be able to see jesus in you you are the one who is going to reflect the image and the character of lord jesus christ now that is what you and i have been chosen the very purpose god shed his precious blood to die on the cross to save us not to enjoy the blessings of the salvation alone, but to fulfill the purpose of the salvation. That is, that you and I be seen that to reflect the glory and the image of Jesus Christ. People are able to see the character and to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how can this happen? How can this happen? Now, we have Jesus as an example. And in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, John's epistle, he says, walk as Jesus walked. You know, in, in John's epistle, chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 6, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, 
whoever claims to live in him should walk as he walked. We have an example in Jesus, and there's a call to walk as Jesus walked. And, and then, uh, now we, we know that we have been called to be like Jesus. When I say be like Jesus, it doesn't mean that just, I don't know whether Jesus really had the long hair. But that's the picture we have been deceived with. You know, with our nice beard. And somebody said, can the real Jesus stand up? Because in Hollywood, there are so many people who acted as Jesus. Okay, so we don't have to do anything with all those things. But when we say be like Jesus, it is in our life. So if we, say, if we have Jesus as an example, God has called us to be reflecting his glory. And we have an example here and say in our Lord Jesus Christ, then how, do, how does it become a reality in me? Let us turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Yeah, this is a wonderful verse. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself, clothed yourself with Christ. Now, we all have been baptized. Most of us, I don't know, but most of us, we have all been baptized in the Lord. Now, the thing is, when we are baptized, then the Bible says we have been clothed with Jesus Christ. We, actually, there is another baptism, I think, uh, somehow I missed that verse, it should be somewhere, uh, where it says that, uh, in Corinthians it comes, where it says that you have been baptized into Christ. Somewhere in Corinthians there's a verse where it says you have been baptized into Christ. Now, this baptized into Christ differs from water baptism. This uh, baptized into Christ happens the moment you surrender your life to him and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you are born again, the moment you receive the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you are baptized into Christ. And this water baptism is an expression of that you have been baptized into Christ. That expression is being, uh, is being done practically by being baptized in the water. Now, because you have been baptized into Christ, that means you become a part of Christ. And that's why the church is called the body of Christ. Church which is called the bride of Christ is indeed also called the body of Christ. Because you cannot separate Christ from his church. And uh, now I have been baptized into the body of Christ. And uh, that happens the moment I am born again. And then to confirm that and to show that, and, and, uh, and the Bible says as a commandment that so as soon as you are born again, you need to be baptized in water. Now what happens is, by that, I say that now my old man has been put off and I have put on Christ hereafter. So I have been put on Christ. Now to putting on Christ, there is no difference between Greek or a uh, that's what it says, neither there's a slave or a, uh, yeah, uh, we have a few things there, Greek or a Jew or a slave or employer or whatever it is, or a male or a female. And um, now every person, 
every person is given the privilege of putting on Christ and to show forth Christ. Now, when in John chapter, in John's epistle, John's gospel, chapter 1 verse 12, it says, to those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has given the authority to be called his children. So we become the child, we become, I become, or you and I, we become a child, children of God when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, uh, we go back to the Old Testament again. Now we know before a man is born again, before a man is born again, everybody who's born in this world, we are linked to Adam. We are linked to Adam. Other way we can say, I am a son of Adam. That's indeed true. We may find it difficult to say or may not be able to understand how it happens. But we all are from Adam. Now God has got only two men in this world. Adam, the first man, and Jesus, the last man. Uh, some, some people call it the second man, but the Bible doesn't say anywhere second man, but it's the last man. But there's only one and two. And the, uh, the first Adam and the last Adam, that's all. And the, we all are linked to the first Adam. And it is from that we have been, you know, the, uh, the uh, Romans chapter 5, we read it very clearly that because of one man's disobedience, all, we all, many have come into the condemnation of sin. We have the death has been reigning us since Adam. So we all are linked to, the, uh, linked to Adam. And now, if I want to become a child of God, from this genealogy and the, from this lineage, I have to be transferred to the other lineage, which is through Christ. So if I want to do that, how can it possible? I need to die. I need to die so that I can be totally cut off from the lineage and the link of Adam and then be born into the lineage of God. That is us become a son of God by having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that happens. That is the expression we show forth by being baptized in water. Otherwise we say, I have just totally, I am completely buried and gone. You know, in baptism, we literally for a few seconds, we are totally immersed in water. We are not seen in the world at all. I'm just buried in totally from, in the world. I'm dead to the lineage of Adam. Now I have been risen up to a new kingdom. And that's what uh, I think somewhere in Colossians, I think chapter 2 or somewhere, it says that God has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the glorious kingdom of his son, the light. That, that, trans that takes place. There is a transformation. There is a, something that is happening from some underwork going on. Is, uh, sorry to use that expression. But then from this linkage, you're dead and buried and suddenly you rise up to on the other side in the kingdom of God. And that, because of that, now I can put on Christ. Everyone who has got that experience of being transformed into the kingdom of God, God has put on the image of Christ on you. And that's what uh, in uh, John's epistle, chapter 5, I think, the first John chapter 5, where it says, uh, he who is born of God do not uh, 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 sin because the seed of God is in him. The seed of God is in me. I'm not no more belong to the seed of Adam. No, I belong to the seed of God. I'm a son of God. So as a son of God, as my son reflects my character and my image, sometimes they say, see how he walked just like his father. Isn't it? 
how it happens? Because there is a close link between the father and son. Same manner, now that I've been born into God's family and God is my heavenly father, and I have, this, I have his seed in him, I have the seed, the character in me, but I need to grow in that character. And that's what Peter says in um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. He says, you've been uh, called to partake of the divine nature. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Yeah through, yeah, through them you may be able to partake of the divine nature. Partake of the divine nature. And that's what actually God, is, uh, God has said for every one of us. Not to just to enjoy the blessings of salvation. It's good. It is good and it is wonderful. We praise God for all the blessings. But then God is looking something more than that in your life. That is to reflect God's glory. That is to reflect Christ in our life. Now, uh, now we uh, now we have learned that the purpose for which God has uh, called us to reflect His image, and then we we also learned how the process is being done because we have been cut off from the linkage of Adam and born into the kingdom of God, and now. And also, God doesn't stop with that alone. God is encouraging and continuously giving you all the support to grow in that character, in that image. And for that, we can say that um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Here he says, it is like a um, mirror, is it? Um, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Mirror is the word of God. We can say it's the word of God. As we read the four gospels, we're going to connect that, the first part of the message with this now. As we read the four gospels, I begin to see more and more Christ. That is the mirror that is showing me about Christ. Somebody said, if you want to know about Christ, you read the Gospels. And if you want to know how to become uh, a Christian, you read the Acts of the Apostles because it shows clear how, very clearly how we need to believe in the Lord, repent, believe, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit and continue in the spiritual life. And if I want to know how to continue to live on in Christ and to live uh, as a Christian, read all the epistles. Now, he says in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we, from the word of God, as a mirror, we see Christ. And we are being, the more we observe the word of God in our life, the more we are transformed from one image to another image of glory. In other words, the Holy Spirit will take the words and, and use that word to transform us to be more, uh, uh, to become more and more, uh, grow in that image. That's what Jesus said: "Man shall not live by bread alone." I remember once sharing a word of uh, sharing a thought about that. Uh, the bread is important for a man. A physical bread is important for a man. God never said, He said, "Man shall not live by bread alone." Okay, so we need physical bread in a proper way. 
but then for a spiritual in our for a spiritual man we need to have the word of god man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god that is the holy spirit is taking the word of god and helping us to be transformed more and more in that image of god i as i read more and more the word of god i see god's glory and his character and how, and the way he is and his attributions and god the holy spirit takes those words and begin to work in my life so that i can be more transformed into that likeness and there's another another way also the lord is doing that it is in written in ephesians chapter 4 ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13 ephesians Okay, here also we read very clearly the purpose of the fivefold ministry in the church we read here about the ministry that is he gave some as apostles and prophets some as evangelists uh, we have a teachers also yeah evangelists pastors and teachers the reason for this fivefold ministry in the church is for equipping the equipping the saints for the work of the service and to the, the building up for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to a mature man to the measure of the stature of which belongs to the fullness of christ so the very reason that we have prophets and apostles and pastors teachers and evangelists is to help you to attain to the fullness of the stature of the lord jesus christ it is not for a separate ministry but here we find that god has place this fivefold ministry in the church for god church is his only bride not the ministries we have to understand that very clearly now i can sit for hours in front of a tv and watch that uh, evangelical ministry or that ministry or this prophetic ministry but it is the church which alone is the body of christ so we the church can never be replaced by any of the ministries that goes around so all this fivefold ministry has to be from the church and the purpose for the church is to help the holy spirit uses this god's anointed gifted servants of god to help you to become more to be conformed to the image of christ that's why colossians i think in one chapter 28 he says we preach christ to every man so that we may able to present every man mature perfect mature in the before god that is the purpose of the church okay so now um now that we have so now we go back to the four gospels now okay brother you said that we god wants you to become like uh, to reflect the glory of god and be like conformed to the image of christ and all that but what is it now we go back to the gospels in gospels we find gospel we can, i can say is for two reasons one is that to show one is to show the uh, the uh, as different aspects of the lord jesus christ the four because god doesn't want anyone to be left out from the salvation the plan of salvation so gospel is given to all the people from and showing portraying jesus from a different angle which is very relevant to them 
just relevant to them. A Jew cannot say, I have never heard about Jesus. I, I, I don't think uh, Jesus, because very clearly Matthew has focused on the Jews. The same manner, all the four Gospels have been very clearly foretold. And even in, uh, when you read in Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, actually this three chapters is quite interesting. He says that um, the whole, uh, literally Paul is bringing the whole world under condemnation. You know, Jews because of the law. And the Gentiles, because of the law, not the written law, but the, the conscience, the law which is written in the heart. And they failed, both the group failed, and then in chapter 3 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then he continues to speak about faith and how you can be saved by faith in 4 and 5. So here we find that uh, the gospel has been given and not only for the purpose of showing Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, the Lamb of God, the uh, Son of God who came down today on the cross, not for that alone. Another purpose is to, for a believer to show for the character of Jesus so that we can be in, conformed to that character. Now in Matthew, we ran, um, <clears throat> now there is another two uh, important uh, uh, passages in the Word of God, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, where it's a vision actually, the vision given to Ezekiel and a vision given to John. Here we find is not is the John the the disciple of Christ. Now in Patmos, in uh, Ezekiel vision, God is showed the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God take him and show him a vision where he sees an angel with four different faces, four different faces. In Ezekiel chapter 1, you will read that vision. And he says, one has got a face of a lion. The other one is the face of uh, ox. Then the face of a man and the face of an eagle. Now, same thing is repeated in Revelation. In Revelation also, God is showing John a vision about the heavenly things and the throne, somebody seated on the throne, there are angels around the throne and worshiping God for 24 hours. And there it says, there also he is showing a vision. That, that also just similar to the vision shown to Ezekiel. You see, there's a face of lion and there's a face of an ox, then a, a man and a eagle. Now it is, again, God has something in these things. The reason why these things are shown is so that we can understand that Jesus came down, not uh, came down, uh, uh, he came down as a, a, as a lion and also as an ox, then also as, an, um, as a man and as an eagle. Now, Matthew says he's the king of kings and he's the lion of Judah. We can understand through the Matthew, he's the lion of Judah. Then in Mark, we say he's an ox, he's a servant. He's a servant who came down to serve the mankind. Then in Luke, he's a son of man. He came down, he loved everybody. And you find most of the uh, parables written there. So how he humbled himself and loved the people and how he had compassion for the people. And then in John, we read about his holiness. All these I am's are in the John. I think you will get what I mean. All the I am's, I am the bread of life, I am the way to heaven, I am the heavenly man, all these, I think there are seven I am's, I'm not sure, all these I am's, I am's, I am's are in John. 
because John is saying he is the eagle, he is the son of God, the son of God who came down from heaven. That's why he starts with saying, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And then he is, uh, later down in the passage, he came down that he came down and dwelt among us. Okay? So now, what are these things actually portrayed to us? What do we learn from these four things? I would say it is like, as a lion, but the Bible says in, uh, I think in, um, <clears throat> he says this, as a lion, there is a confidence. The lion is the king of the jungle, we can say, because of its nature. Lion is something that is confident about what he is going to do. Otherwise, we can say it speaks about the strong faith and trust that we need to have. Jesus had, Jesus revealed, you know, he had a strong confidence and trust in God the Father. Because literally in Philippines we read that God, he gave up everything. He emptied himself of the glory of God and he came down as a mere son of man and died on the cross as a man. Yeah, I'll just quickly finish another five minutes, I'll finish it. So what we read from this um, Matthew is um, that we need to have this strong confidence and authority as Jesus had. We need to have strong confidence and authority, have faith in God. My God, we, I mean, we, during the worship, we sang some wonderful songs. Nothing is impossible. My God can do it. My God will take me through all these things. And that is the character Jesus had. And that was a place where people said, um, why you want to go and die on the cross? And Jesus said, uh, Jesus just turned and said, get behind me. Satan was a close friend of Jesus, the Peter, whom Jesus said, because he, he knew the purpose for which he has come. So I know the purpose for which God has saved me, and I have a strong confidence I will work out that day. And secondly, we can say it is the ox that speaks about the, uh, the, servant, the humility and the obedience. And as an ox, even though it's such a huge animal, it just, it just humbly, the, it just takes the yoke and just continues to do what it's supposed to do. So it speaks about the humility and the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even right on the cross, you know, Jesus said, I am thirst. The reason why he said, I thirst, is not that he had physical thirst alone to fulfill what was written in the word of God. No, right from the beginning till the end, Jesus did the will of God. He was obedient to God's will, the, the Father. Everything that God showed him, the God, God the Father showed him, he did it on the world for an example for us. And, uh, when it, the, and as a son of man, yeah, as a son of man, he speaks about the love. You know, you need another man to show forth your love. So in the same manner, we find that Jesus loved everyone. That's what I would say. Let us read the Gospels more and more to know the character of how Jesus acted in every situation, how he dwelt and how he dealt with every situation. And every word, somebody said, every word that is recorded about Jesus is so important. When he said Jesus stopped, there is a big spiritual meaning behind it, the reason why he stopped. Jesus stopped, he looked, all has got a different, wonderful, spiritual blessings that were written in the word of God. So read more and then read about the eagle. It doesn't, uh, doesn't um, stay down here. It's always on the high places. That speaks about the holiness of God. And when you, are, when you have holiness, you know, 
you have the hope because the Bible says without holiness no man shall see God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. And um, he who humbles in the sight of the Lord will be lifted up. That's what the Bible says. And also when it, uh, he says, unless he does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he shall not enter the kingdom of God. We can say how all these were fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what you and I are called for. May the Lord continue to speak to us. And uh, praise be to the Lord.